see. Where did she pick that? No. Well, it was in the news once again. I don't know if you caught it. Uh, and actually, they have these all over the place. But the Purdy Bridge New Year's Plunge took place again. <clears throat> and I don't know. Have any of you ever done it? Ever done one of these plunges, these New Year plunges? I've got a brilliant congregation. <clears throat> I was at one of these events about 20 years ago. <clears throat> I watched with a smart congregation. I watched as a few hundred people took the plunge and, and dived into the pretty waters there. <clears throat> and the jump attracts all kinds of people. Uh, some people are there because they just want to do something crazy, which I think it is. Uh, some people are there because it's kind of a tradition. Every year they're going to do this, do or die. And I had a guy in my church in Gig Harbor where that was his thing. Every New Year's uh, he would go and do this plunge and because that was the thing to do on New Year's. And uh, there are some people who just want to check it off their daredevil list of extreme things to do. And so they take this plunge. <clears throat> but I especially like, like the last group of people because some said that they were there because they wanted to wash away all the disappointments of the previous year. And I thought, that's interesting. And today we're going to do a little washing of our own uh, as we worship this morning. You have in your uh, uh, flyers an outline, if that's helpful to kind of keep track and follow along with us. <clears throat> I'll bet there are many of you sitting out there this morning that feel like you would like to have a brand new start. A washing of all the wrongs, all the poor choices, all the kind of stupid things that we did last year. In fact, I read that if you lined up every single automobile in America end to end, as long as it would go, that sure enough there would be somebody stupid enough to try to pass them. <clears throat> Our text this morning in 2 Corinthians 5 is kind of one of my favorite texts, uh, brand new texts, brand new start uh, to uh, this year or to life. There are many of them in the scriptures, but this is one of my favorites. Let's invite God to be a part of our conversation this morning. Let's pray. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts truly be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Last September... I got a note from one of my neighbors, <clears throat> and I'm assuming it's a she, and she wrote several comments on this little cryptic card that she dropped off, and she apparently felt that she wasn't or wouldn't be welcome here, because she said on that note, churches don't welcome people who are different, people who are like me, and then she identified herself also in the card that she was a goth. You can Google that if you don't know what that means, but it's somebody that dresses traditionally in black and has piercings and chains and tattoos, perhaps. But somehow, she either had an experience, and whether at our church or another church, I don't know how many churches she might have uh, done notes like this, but when I first read it, I was kind of stung. It just kind of caught me off guard. 
because I like to think that we're a really accepting congregation. Uh, but then I had to kind of pause and to ask, how would we, how would each one of us respond to somebody who is different from us in some way? And there's some differences we feel okay about. There's some differences we tolerate. There's some differences, well, we don't tolerate very well, if we're really honest. And from our human point of view, they, those people, as we often refer to them, appear to us weird, revolting, unacceptable, unlovely, or unlovable. The challenge, I believe, of the gospel is that we need to get past our outward, uh, the outward appearances and to get beyond the surface and to go for something that I believe is deep inside of each and every human being, every single person, no matter how weird they may act on the outside. And why? Is it because uh, uh, what they are doing or how they are living or what they represent is okay? Not necessarily. It's because of what God is able to do through Christ inside of every single person, each and every person. That's what God has done in my life. Is that what God has done in yours? On your outline, the first point is that Paul makes in this text is that we are to be a new creation. A new creation. Listen to the message translation for a moment as how Eugene Peterson puts it. Because of this decision, we don't evaluate people by what they have or how they look. We look at the Messiah that way once and got it all wrong, as you well know. We certainly don't look at him that way anymore. Now we look inside. And what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start, is created new. The old life is gone, a new life burgeons. Look at it. All this comes from God who settled the relationship between us and him. Isn't that hopeful? Doesn't that pronounce tremendous hope for each and every one of us, no matter what we've done or how we've blown it? that we get a brand new start, that we are created new, a fresh start, a new creation of God. Santa's naughty and nice list, it's gone. It's over. We don't have to worry about it. All of the wrinkles, the warts, the defects, the brokenness is gone in Christ. When I was a boy, we used to have a toy, and I don't know if they still make them. If anybody ever finds one, I'd love to have it, and I'll reimburse you. But it's called a magic slate. And that magic slate was something that had a sheet of plastic and then this gray background and so on. And you could write on it, you could doodle on it, do artwork on it, write messages on it, whatever. And then whenever you or your little brother or sister thought you were done with it, you rip up the sheet and there it is, all gone. A clean slate. And you put that plastic back down and you can start all over again with a fresh start. Or perhaps a new calendar. And we have these available if you don't have a calendar yet. Isn't it kind of neat? You open up your calendar for the first, uh, well, that's December. That's last year. <coughs> There's January. And it's all blank, and you kind of think it through. And I don't know, for me, it's a little bit of a ritual to kind of think through, what am I going to fill it up with? You know? What's going to be on those little boxes there that signify the various dates? And it's kind of like, well, like this person. Ha, goody. 
a brand new year. I'm so excited. My new calendar, it's all empty. Well, <clears throat> what am I going to do? Let's see. My slate is clean. It's going to be a great year, planning on it, counting on it. I'm going to make a few new, year, new Year's resolutions to make sure this is my best year yet. And so I'm going to, I am, I am, I am, really. I'm going to make this a good start. I'm going to list some of my resolutions. So first of all, I resolve to eat less fat in my diet. No more than 25% of what I eat, 30, 35% close enough. Uh, number two, I resolve to exercise every day. Hmm. Uh, let's go for three times, two times a week. Okay. Number three, I will call my mom and dad every day, uh, once a week. Uh, number four, I will recycle all my plastic, glass, and paper. Well, at least half, well, when it's convenient. <clears throat> oh, and I will definitely give pastor preached a sermon on this. I will give at least 10% of my gross income to the church. Well, maybe 10% of my net. No, you know, 5%. Uh, I'll start at 3%. Okay. And then, number six, <clears throat> I will resolve to make a to-do list every day and prioritize my life and the use of my time. And, and number seven, I will resolve to read my Bible every single day and to pray. Well, at least three times, a couple times a week, I, I will do that for sure. Okay. There it is. I can't do these things. I can't do these. <laughs> wait, wait, I know. Uh, I'll put down a number eight. Um, I'll resolve to commit all of these resolutions to God every single day. Hmm. Why don't I just leave this list open-ended and God can make all the changes he wants to make in this list. And I'll just focus on one resolution and that is that I'm going to surrender myself to God and what he wants me to do. <clears throat> this year. I don't know. Is it like that for you? God wants to do for us, to make us a new creation. We surrender our rebellious hearts to him. And he gives us a brand new heart in exchange. And the cost for all of that? Absolutely free. You see, Christ paid for it already. That leads me to the second point, and that is that we are all under warranty. We're created by God, and we're under warranty with God. <clears throat> all we have to do is to bring our lives, our brokenness, our malfunctions, our filthiness, to bring our lives back to the manufacturer and to say, I surrender myself to you, God. I want you to make me new, brand new all over again. You and I are under warranty if, as Paul puts it, we are living in Christ. And that's Paul's favorite term for talking about that relationship between us and God, is that we are to live in Christ. And <clears throat> when you think about that, Christ-likeness is not produced by imitation. It's produced by inhabitation. We allow Christ to live through us. And this is the secret, that Christ lives in you, Paul writes in Colossians chapter 1. And how does this happen in real life? Through the choices that each of us makes. We choose to do things right in situations that sometimes are difficult. And we trust God's Spirit to give us the power, to give us the love, to give us the faith 
and the wisdom, the knowledge to do that, to act out our lives in Christ. We just celebrated Christmas, the gift of God's Son into our world. He is the eternal and extended warranty on our lives because we can't do it on our own. Jesus picked up the tab for each and every one of you. It's God's gift to you. God says to me, give me your broken down, your tear-stained, your heartbroken, your messed up, your rebellious hearts, and I will give you a brand new creation, a brand new start. And I sincerely hope that my friend that left that note last September, I hope that she will find this truth out and that God accepts her the way she is and that God will work with her and be in relationship with her because my heart breaks for her and I pray for her, whoever she might be. And I hope and pray that any person who comes through these doors into this church, into this ministry, no matter how they're dressed, no matter how dirty or smelly they might be, how odd or different they are, maybe even as bad and weird as your pastor is, I hope that they will find Christ here and acceptance and love. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, it's a story of Samuel who's looking for the next king of Israel. And he's gone through Jesse's sons, and he asks if there are any more sons. And, well, there's one out in the field. Okay, go get him. And in chapter 16, verse 7, it says, uh, we don't look as God looks at us because we look at the outward appearance, how brawny, how strong, and what kind of a king they might make. God looks at the heart of each and every one of us. And I hope that they find in this place like many of you did, the love, the acceptance, the opportunity to do what each of us needed to do, and that is to be drawn into a closer relationship with God through his son Jesus and to be made new in Christ. And so, folks, that's what we're about as a church, is to have that kind of environment in which people may come and find Christ. And then finally, we have to ask ourselves, what's going to be our response? How will we respond? What will we do in light of this? And the reality is we all come the same way to God. We all come out of our neediness. We all come saying, God, I need you. Why? Well, because I'm broken and only you can fix me. I've tried the duct tape of humanism. I've tried the bailing wire of the world's answers and solutions. I've tried the gorilla glue of self-helps. I need you, God. I need your forgiveness in my life. I need your healing touch. I need a brand new start. And like the person with the calendar, I resolve to commit my life to you, Lord, every single day. How might your life be different if that was your resolve? I can remember when my son Doug was about eight or nine years old, kind of got into model building. And so we had gotten a model for Christmas, and we took, laid all the pieces out and so on, looked through the instructions, and uh, then got to work on building this model. And we began, I began to glue some pieces and so on and to place them where I thought that they should be and so on. But it was obvious that to Doug 
that I didn't know quite how to do this. <clears throat> and so he said, Dad, you're supposed to do the gluing. I'm supposed to put the pieces on. So I said, I'm sorry. So I did what I was told. I'd glue the piece. I would hand it to him, and he would put it on. Some of them went on okay. Some of them a little crooked. Some of them way off or in the wrong place. I kept my mouth shut. And then he uh, corrected his rule to me, and he says, Dad, uh, also, if I don't do it right, don't say anything, but you make it right. (laughs) And isn't that exactly what happens in our struggles of life? We try to glue together the various pieces of our lives. Some of them turn out okay, but some of them end up a little or a lot crooked. But our hope, our consolation, is that when our response is to invite our heavenly dad to be a part of the building process, that our heavenly daddy would help us put together our lives as they were meant to be the way he created us. You see, he is able to take the crooked parts and without any condemnation to correct them. There's a story in John chapter 8, verses 1 and following. You can check it out for yourself. A wonderful story, but basically the stage is set. This woman's caught in adultery. Everybody eventually leaves at the challenge of Christ, and so it's just the two of them. And Christ asks her, where are your accusers? And she says, they're not here. To which Christ responds to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. You see, our God is not about condemnation. He's about healing and hope for each and every one of us. And today we're going to do our version of the pretty plunge and wash away the old as we reaffirm our baptismal vows. Most of you at some time went through the waters of baptism. Some were sprinkled perhaps as infants. Some of you sprinkled, poured, or immersed as adult believers. In faith, through words of either your parents on your behalf or your own words, you made vows and commitments to God in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And in that grace-filled, sacramental moment, we declared to the church, we declared to the world that we have received God's generous, gracious gift of salvation in Christ and that we now are determined to live for Him Our sacraments of baptism and communion, they're open to all. You don't have to be a member of this particular church. They're open to all Christians, all those who love God and put their faith in Jesus Christ as their Savior and as their Lord. On the back side of your sermon outline, you have some words, and I'd just like to read through those to you. Today we renew our baptismal vows. We celebrate a fresh start of reaffirming the commitments that we made at our baptism For some, you were baptized as infants. For others, as believers in Christ. This renewal will give you a chance to state or to affirm your personal faith in Jesus Christ. If you've never been baptized, feel free to take those Connect cards in front of you. And in our worship of giving, you can turn them in and just make a note that you'd like to talk to somebody about being baptized. As part of our communion service, if you would like to affirm your baptism, I will be at the front and the center here. And as you come up, I'll put the sign of the cross and water on your head and give you a blessing. And then you will go to the two stations on either side to receive communion. And if you need gluten-free, there will be a third station over here to my right, your left. 
and you can just make your way over there, and uh, Cindy Conlon will serve you uh, uh, communion there. To our friends who may be uncomfortable with this <coughs> in any way, please feel free not to participate. But I do hope that each of you, as you watch this unfold, will be touched at your core, and you will be encouraged to reflect upon your own spiritual life and what it is that you believe and how God may want to touch your life. And so I'd like us to reaffirm our vows that we took when we were baptized. And so I ask you, do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? If so, respond by saying, I do. And I would like us to stand together as we say the Apostles' Creed.